Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, where we share the Sermon of the Week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. Talking about being broken uh, today, talking about being broken, plan to speak on te- speaking about broken, and then my wife breaks a coffee cup last night, and I said, well, that's a great example of brokenness. Um, I broke a pepper shaker a week ago, broke my lawnmower a month ago nearly. You know how hard it is to get a lawnmower repaired in the spring? I have the best neighbor on the face of the earth. He's been cutting my grass for me. I told him we'd name our next grandchild Jeff if that's okay. He's been, he's been a, 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 an amazing neighbor over the years. And then my, one of my guitars broke um, a couple weeks ago. And so that's, that's in the shop. When things break, it's zero fun, right? It's no fun. Uh, it can be embarrassing, annoying, sad, mad, frustrating. But there are some good things about being broken. And... Broken is where we're going to start on our journey this morning. So let me explain with just a few scriptures. We're going to begin in Romans chapter 4. So get your Bibles out and let's take a look at that. It says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. So Lord, we come together today having worshipped in song and in our giving, having fellowshiped. Now, Lord, we ask that you would continue to be here in the preaching of your word to strengthen us, to encourage us, to bring a blessing of peace to our hearts, that, Lord, even in brokenness, you are there. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. I'm going to rehearse four quick stories for you from from Scripture. I'm going to ask you to kind of find the common thread amongst them, if you would, please. First is the story of a blind man. His name happened to be Blind Bartimaeus, but he wasn't blind very long. In Mark chapter 10, verse 46, when they, meaning Jesus and the crowd, came came to Jericho, Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, and a blind man, Bartimaeus, that was the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. But everybody around him rebuked. How many times is it that when you decide to get serious about God, your friends say, sit down and be quiet? Or we got something else to do. Let's go here. Let's go there. You don't have time to go to church. You shouldn't be doing that. Let's just do this. And not maybe necessarily in a malicious way, but... It, it's, it's a way to draw you away. And so this is, this is not unusual. So they tell blind Bartimaeus, sit down, be quiet. But he shouted all the more. I like that. Verse 49, Jesus stopped. That when you get desperate for God and call out to God, he, you can stop God. That'd be a great sermon title, wouldn't it? How to stop God. And they called to the blind man, cheer up or get on your feet now. So now when the blessing comes to you, all your friends rally to you. Come on, uh, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. Threw his, threw his cloak off, blind man running. What do you want me to do, Jesus asked. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus along the road. Secondly, Jesus is going to give hearing to the deaf and the mute person. In Mark 7, when Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre, he went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee into the region of the Decapolis. There, some people brought a man to him who was deaf, couldn't hardly talk. They begged him to place his hands on the man, and after he took him aside away from the crowd, oftentimes you have to get away from the doubters, took him away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers in the man's ears, spit on the touch of the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven with a deep sigh. He said... Be opened. Just like that. Be open. He didn't have to shout. Didn't have to do a jig. He said, be opened. Just like he said to Bartimaeus. And the man's ears were opened. So he healed the blind. 
He healed the deaf. And then, amazingly, in Mark chapter 5, he heals the dead. When Jesus had begun, he crossed over to the boat the other side of the lake. A large crowd followed him, of course. And uh, then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded with him, my little daughter is sick. So the leader of the synagogue comes, says, help my daughter, she's sick. Verse 24, so Jesus went with him and on his way, what happened? He got stopped with the woman with the issue of blood. So imagine you're Jairus. Now you've got Jesus' attention. He says to Jesus, would you please come with me? My daughter is sick. Jesus says, sure, no problem. They begin to walk. Uh, to this, the house where the 12-year-old girl is and a woman who had had a hidden shoe of blood for 12 years, 12 years, 12 years old, stops him. And now, if you're Jairus and Jesus is walking with you to your house to heal your daughter, how thrilled are you that he stops to talk to this woman with an issue of blood? You're not very happy about the situation, are you? Yet, Jesus interrupted this other miracle to perform another miracle of raising this daughter. So we're going to pick it up in verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came to the house after the woman with the issue of blood had been healed. He said, ah, you know, forget about it. Your daughter's dead. Don't bother Jesus anymore. Verse 36. Ignoring what they said, I'm glad that Jesus can ignore some of our stupid prayers sometimes. Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him in except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, when they came to the home of the synagogue, ruler Jesus was, uh, saw the commotion, people crying and wailing. Why? Because the daughter was now dead. He went in and said, why is this all the commotion? Why is everybody crying? Well, the child's dead. He goes, no, she's not dead. She's just asleep. And they laughed at him. After he put them all out, the laughers, he took the child's father and the mother and disciples and went in where the girl was. And he took her by the hand and said, little girl, I want you to get up. Immediately the girl stood up and walked around and she was 12 years old. They were completely astonished. So we have, first of all, Jesus healing the blind. Then we have Jesus healing the deaf. And then we have Jesus healing a dead little girl. Now watch this, last one. In Luke chapter five, verse 27, he's going to give holiness to an unholy person. After this, Jesus went out and saw, he saw a tax collector. Now what's the problem with tax collectors? Just quickly review, Israel was under Roman occupation. They weren't running their own business. They ran their religious duties in Israel at the time, but Rome was conquering the world, and they had conquered Israel, and the best way to collect Roman taxes was to have a Jew do it for you. And so he, the Romans got uh, Levi to collect taxes, which made him a not a very popular person. So after this, Jesus saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting in his tax collector booth. And he told him, hey, follow me, Jesus said. So Levi got up, left everything, and left everything and followed him. Then Levi had a great banquet for Jesus at his house with a large crowd of tax collectors. Hey, we got somebody to hang out with. Jesus wants to be with us. So there's a large crowd of tax collectors and, I love it, it says others. It says others. Tax collectors and others. That should probably be like in air quotes, I would think. Other undesirables. They were eating with them, verse 30, but the Pharisees, the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples. Why, why, why does he eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? So Jesus answered them. It is not the healthy, write this down, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. So here's the common thread. All four broken. The blind couldn't see. The deaf couldn't hear. The dead couldn't rise. And the unholy tax collector, no matter what he tried to do, could not make himself acceptable. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. It's hard for us to admit to Jesus that we're sick. But it's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick who need a doctor. It's the blind. It's the deaf. It's the dead, the unholy, and the broken. So I'd like you to listen really close. The only people he can lift up are those who have been beaten down and abandoned. 
The only person he can heal is the sick. The only person that really needs a miracle is the person who's broken. I can see. Do you think God says, oh, I'd love to restore Eric's sight? No, I can see. He can only restore sight to a blind person. I, I know this is deep, but you have to come with your shovel and join me down in here. He can only heal the blind of blindness. Everyone else there with blind Bartimaeus, none of them got their sight back. Why? Because they already had their sight. Okay? He can only give speech to the mute. He can only give life to the dead. And he can only, listen, he can only give righteousness to the unrighteous. See, only God can make something out of nothing. Remember the verse. Jesus answered them and said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Only God can make something out of nothing. My degrees are in theology, um, and part of uh, Calvinism, if you're familiar with that branch of theology, is uh, an acronym they use to understand Calvinistic theology, which I'm not necessarily a fan of. But they come off, they start off on a really good foot with the letter T. And if you want to know more about this, just later Google the word TULIP. It's the acronym for Calvinism. But other persuasions, most persuasions, nearly all persuasions of Protestant Christianity will agree on the first point. And that is the letter T, which stands for total depravity. You are depraved. What does that mean? That means from the very moment you were born, you are fighting against a death nature, really. People would say it's a sin nature, right? You've heard this phrase, a sin nature. Oh, I have a sin nature. You, I was born with a sin nature. Actually, you were born with a death nature because the, when sin gives birth, it gives, first, it gives birth to death. The, the end result of your sin is death. And who wants you dead? Your enemy wants you dead, right? Satan wants you dead. So really, he is trying to kill you from the very moment that you're born. And he's doing a good job to the tune of a million babies a year right now. But you have this total depraved nature. It's not popular to talk about, but it is the reality of knowing who God is and who you are. Because if you don't come to this place of understanding that there is in you something at war with the things of God, you'll always think you're okay. When in fact you're broken. And I've run across a number of people, and I'm sure some of you have too, but people who think they're okay and they're not okay they are actually really broken. And so I want to take a minute today and talk technically about our brokenness. So here we go, and this is where it all begins. In Genesis chapter 1, 1. That's a good place to start. Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the face of the earth. The spirit of God, however, was hovering there. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Okay, hard stop. Watch this. There's no light. And God says, let there be light. And immediately, light happened. Now what's really, really cool that was on day one. It wasn't until day number three that God said, let's have planets, let's have stars, let's have the sun to hold the light that I created. So where was the light coming from before there was suns and planets, stars and moons? It was coming from God. God said, let there be planets. Boom, there was planets. God said, let there be animals. Boom, there was animals. God said, let there be trees in every foliage of the earth. Boom, there it was. God just spoke it into existence. So here it is. Get ready. Write it down. God spoke to nothing. Nothing heard him. And then nothing had to obey. Welcome to Eric Hansen Theology Class 101. 
Nothing. There's nothing. Well, there can't be nothing apart from God because God has all things. So there is even nothing. Nothing is inside of God. So when he said there was, there was nothing, that nothingness was there because God put nothing there. So that when God spoke to nothing, nothing, that thing of nothing heard him. And when that nothing heard him, that nothing had to obey him. That's how awesome God is. Can I get an amen? Amen. Woo, that makes me happy. So that tells me that no matter what my circumstance is, God can take care of it. I mean, there's no light. And then he says, let there be light. And there was light. See, only God can make something out of nothing. And so in Hebrews 11, verse number three, it says, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. Boom, he just spoke it. And so that what is now seen was not made out of what was visible. That just explained to you what I said. God didn't go, oh, we need to fabricate light. Oh boy, how are we gonna do that? Uh, Thomas Edison, make some light bulbs real quick. No. All God has to do is say those things that are not as though they were, and there it is, instantly under the power of God. Get it? Now that applies not just to things, it applies to you. It applies to me, and I'm thankful. In 1 Peter 2, verse 9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Yes? No? Okay. It's an old song. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's where we stop. But next verse, number 10. Once you were not a people, but now you are. You, you didn't used to be, but now you are. Why? Because I said so. Once you had not received mercy... But now you have received mercy. And how did all that happen? That God chose you. God chose you by his grace. Because of his goodness, motivated by his love, that's the good news. And here's the really good news. He's still choosing you. Now here's the hinge on the door that could very well smack you up the backside of the head if you're not paying attention. So zone in. And listen, he's still choosing you, but only if you are a nobody who is broken. God doesn't pick people who think they are okay. God can't fix people who see themselves as okay. God only fix broken things and broken people. So let's break it down. Jesus said, remember, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. I didn't come. Oh, you think you got your stuff together? You think your stuff doesn't smell? You think you're okay and you're all right? You don't need Jesus. That's all a bunch of religion. Guess what? He hasn't come to fix you. It's only those people who realize how broken, total depravity, only those who realize how broken they are that can ever receive back their sight. I, you cannot in the spirit realm say, God, I want to see until you first tell him I am blind. There is no way you can come to God and say, oh God, I got to hear you until you first say, God, I am deaf to you. I need to hear you. I am broken. I am not okay. I need you to intervene like blind Bartimaeus, like Jairus' daughter. I'm broken. I cannot fix myself. And when you think you can fix yourself, just try a little harder. Let me tell you something about try a little harder. Try a little harder is a lie. Tell that to the fly that keeps flying into the window. And you open the sliding door. It's right here, dummy. Right here. Just come on out. Come on over here. But no. He just says, if I just try harder, it's going to be all right. No. What you need to do is recognize how broken you are. And God says, oh, now I can fix you. Now I can take and make you okay in the middle of your brokenness. Is anybody tracking with me okay? 
So here's where we started in Luke chapter 5, verse 30. The Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they belong to the sect. They, 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 why, does, why does Jesus eat with and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus responded, it is not the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick. I mean, imagine, I mean, Jesus doesn't shop at Saks Fifth Avenue. He doesn't shop at Macy's. Do we even have a famous bar anymore? I don't even know. Do we have a mall anymore? I don't even know if we have a mall. Do we? I haven't been there like since I was 12. Right? Is there, I mean, so, so think of the fancy department. No, that's not where Jesus shops. You know where Jesus shops? At the Goodwill. Aren't you glad he shopped at the Goodwill and found you broken? He picks that thing up and he, he doesn't see the brokenness. He goes, I can make something very neat out of this. But it's the ones who think, oh, yeah, I got it together. Jesus would be lucky to have me. The church would really be blessed if they had my money and they had my job and they had my prestige. And if I showed up to that church, boy, that church would really be something if I went there. What? No, that sounds like Macy's, right? Jesus says, no, I'm going to go into the goodwill and I'm going to find something broken and I'm going to make something beautiful. You know why he does that? It's because then you can't take credit for what happens through you. What happens is when you start taking credit for what God is doing through you and you forget how broken you were when you cried out to him the first time you really needed him. Am I talking to anybody that understands that you were broken and until you realize, and I'm talking, to, I'm, I'm riding two horses now. One horse is to those of you who know God, called according to his purpose and plan. You're saved, redeemed, water baptized, Holy Ghost filled, Jesus. Yeah, hallelujah. Listen, you got to realize where you came from. You were broken. You were busted and disgusted and scum of the earth until he showed up and made something beautiful out of your life. So don't you ever take credit for what he's doing through you. That's the goodness of God. His goodness is running after you. And he was there to help you even in your brokenness. Because you know what happens to those of us who are born again on fire, spirit filled, on fire? Sometimes there's a broken piece that comes and catches us. I don't care how healthy you are, you just might end up breaking a bone. No matter how good a shape you're in. That's what happens. Now those of you on this side of the room who are unsaved and degenerate. <laughs> you perverts, a bunch of crazy people. Listen to them laugh over there. You're not laughing. They're laughing over there. <laughs> but guess what? S some of you were that. Right, 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 right. So you got to say, listen, well, I'm going to try this. I'm going to get out of it. My heart, my determination, my, I'm going to really buckle down and I'm going to, listen, all your, all your hard trying is like that fly flying against the window. It becomes so much easier when you say what? The righteousness that you need, you can't even get yourself. He needs to give it to you, but you can only have it if you realize that you don't have righteousness because your self-righteousness is like filthy rags. You can't have his righteousness because you won't recognize the fact that you're unrighteous and you're trusting in your own righteousness. So, God fixes broken things. Romans 5.8. God demonstrated his own love for us while we were yet broken. That while we were yet broken, covered in sin, unable to clean ourselves, I was with my uh, first granddaughter at uh, New Salem, and she decided she's going to climb down in the creek. And I told her to be careful, but you know, she fell anyway. And she splattered herself with mud. And she comes up out, sopping wet. She realizes she's wet. We had a great time. It was all fun games. Nobody really got hurt. She got a little skinny. She got she got a scratch, but but uh, you know, you rub some dirt and it's all good, right? That's what we do. So she comes out and she's got this big old splat of mud across her face that she doesn't realize she has on her face. Which is what we look like trying to tell God, oh yeah, I'm clean. I'm not dirty here. God's, oh, I saw you fall. Now you want to confess that your feet are wet, but I knew you hit the mud and there it is. What is that? Well, that's your addiction. Your spiritual deafness, your blindness, your pride, your lust. Maybe you're broken because you just got a lot of sickness. What's the fibromyalgia? Is that what it's called? Yeah. And it's just broken you down. I don't know why I think about that. It's for somebody here today. Cancer. I just learned a, a, a dear friend of mine in many years died of cancer. 
disease. PTSD, that's a real thing. Depression, anxiety, homosexuality, fear, infertility, prostitution, unrighteousness in general. Whatever that is, we are all so broken, but we try to cover it up. Like, I got no mud on my face. The good news is, remember our text? Jesus likes hanging out with broken people. He likes going to the goodwill. The righteous, the religious complain. He eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus said, it is not the healthy. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. So you being okay on the inside begins when you recognize that you're broken. Now, understand, you know, certainly not going to shout me down with how broken we all are. I realize that. But, but if I was here because I wanted your applause and your pat on the back, then I probably wouldn't be preaching a message like this. Because today's pop theology wants you to feel really good about yourself. But I don't see that in here. I don't see feeling great about yourself and total depravity being harmonious or congruent. That's not the way that it works. Oh, you're so smart. You're so amazing. The kingdom of God really needs you. I wrote something really stupid in a theology paper once. Dr. David Nichols is my professor. I ended up being his teaching assistant, but he chastised me so bad. On the top of the paper, in red letters, when I tried to present a theological position, which was wrong, um, in red letters, in red Sharpie, he wrote, no, 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 a thousand times, no, exclamation point, underlined. That was on the front of my paper. I thought I wasn't broken. I thought I had the answer. But then somebody told me, no. If you want to learn something, you got to realize that you don't know that. Not until you confess your brokenness will you ever be okay. I mean, it's always been that way. Martin Luther, father of the Protestant Reformation, understood that. It's a long-held long theological position. He said, God made man out of nothing. And as long as we are nothing, he can make something out of us. It's God's nature to make something, but he can only make something out of nothing. And then nothing will hear him and nothing will obey. But as long as you walk around with a puffed out chest and you're, you're all, listen, that's not the one that, that the mercy and the grace of God is going to fall upon. You want a revival? It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen until my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and confess their sin and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face. Hmm, hmm. John the Baptist, he understood the assignment. John 3.30, he must become greater and I must become less. How about that become our lifelong assignment? It's not about me, it's about Jesus. It's not about you, it's about Jesus. Now listen, I'm all about feeling good. I'm all about getting knowledge. And, and, but you let that stuff puff you up. Listen, you have got to learn to walk in humility. A lifelong assignment that God would increase and we would decrease. It's just not possible for God to make something out of a person who has not yet become nothing. Pride, self-sufficiency, is the cancer of modern Christianity. Write it down. Number one killer is what? Heart disease. Does it have any correlation to the church at all? Yeah, sure it does. A heart disease. You see, you see Christian after Christian falling. You see preacher after preacher falling. Why is that? Did one day they just wake up and say, you know what, I'm just not going to serve God anymore? Or did it creep in their heart? Because out of the abundance of your heart is where you're going to speak from. So you keep your heart in humility. 
And you guard against pride. You say, God, I'm nothing except your goodness is upon me. I'm absolutely nothing. I am totally depraved without you. There is no good thing in me. There's no, listen to me as your pastor. Inside of me, there is no good thing except God has put it there. Without God, I am horrible. I'm, I'm actually a depraved person. And until you come to the place that that's your reality, you're walking in self-righteousness. I know. Hallelujah. Come on, preacher, preach it. Isn't this, I mean, here's, all you have to do is have a beginner's understanding of the theology. Just a, a, just a quick glance, just, just be a, a just be a neophyte, a sophomore understanding, 1 Corinthians 1. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Hey, you weren't wise, you weren't influential, you weren't of noble birth, but God chose foolish things, verse 27 of the world, to shame the wise. God chose weak things. No one wants to say, hey, I'm foolish, I'm weak. I'm here telling you, I'm confessing to you. Without God, I am 100% foolish, I'm 100% weak, and I'm destined to the flames of hell without the goodness of God working in my life. But God chose the foolish things, the weak things. Verse 28, he chose the lowly things of this world, the despised things, things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that no one can boast. Now, here it is, verse 30. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom. He can only be your wisdom when you confess, I'm not wise. If you are wise in your own eyes, he has no wisdom for you. Are you tracking with me? Yes. He's become our righteousness. He can become your righteousness if you confess, I'm not righteous. I am unrighteous. I am unholy. But if you have self-righteousness, he goes, I can't pour my righteousness in there and mix it with yours. I'll be your holiness and I will be your redemption. Two final examples. Number one, the only people he can lift up are those who've been abandoned. The parable of the, of the Good Samaritan. I'm not going to read it all to you, but in Luke chapter 10, you remember? They passed by, the religious leaders, the pastor, the prophet, the evangelist, the apostle, the religious people of the day. They all saw this person on the other side of the road, didn't offer any help. But the person that was in the ditch was more than happy to receive help from a Samaritan. If there was a, a person well healed on the side of the road, no one would have stopped and helped him. But because he was desperate, he was broken, and he needed, there was someone to provide for him. Parable of the tax collector, last one, Luke chapter 18, probably the best example of the morning. Verse number nine. To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told a parable. Verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up, prayed about uh, himself, God, I'm so thankful I'm not like those wicked people. I'm so glad I don't smell like all those homeless people. I'm so thankful that I got a, ha a house and a car and I'm not home. I'm so thankful that I'm not like those people. I'm so thankful that you have blessed me. I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed that I'm not like any of them. That was his song. I'm not even like one of those tax collectors. Verse 12. I fast twice a week, I give a tenth, I tithe. I'm okay. That's what he would say, I'm okay. In fact, I came here just so everyone could hear me pray and see me, and I'm okay. But the tax collector stood at a distance, wouldn't even look up to heaven, beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, I am broken. I am a sinner. I am undone. Now, that's juxtaposed against one another. The thesis and antithesis boil down right here. It says this, verse 14, I tell you that this man, who? The tax collector. This man, rather than the other one, went home justified. Why? For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Self-exalted, the proud, the self-righteous, the wise, the well-healed. I'm all good. Those people are never candidates 
for God's salvation, for his healing, for the ultimate sozo. That's not possible because they're okay already. Why? Because God cannot heal someone who doesn't realize they're sick and confess their brokenness. God's work is never fully realized in the life of a person who doesn't first realize they're broken. I'd like you to get on a train with me just for a second. I'd like you to be on this train of thought, okay? Come with me. If you make an appointment at the doctor's office, I've had to go to the doctor this year. Not a pleasant experience. <clears throat> had to go to the doctor. So I make an appointment to go see the doctor. The doctor says, tell me what's going on. And uh, I go in, I say, oh, it's all good, I'm okay. Do you think I'm gonna get fixed? No. Go see a lawyer. Have you seen a lawyer this year? Plan on seeing a lawyer this year? I don't know. Maybe you got a legal situation. Maybe you're gonna have your will written up or something like that. So you go in, you go see the lawyer. And they say, um, how can I help you? And you go, I don't need any help. Well, they're more than happy to sit there and charge you $600 an hour just to look at you. Go see your accountant. I mean, it's a mess. Your finances are a mess. You're being sued by the federal government. You haven't paid taxes. It's getting racked up. It's all kinds of crazy and it's problems. You haven't filed your taxes for five, six years. So you finally, okay, I'm gonna go see an accountant. First thing the accountant says, hey, what can I do for you? How are you doing? What's going on? And you say, I'm okay. Isn't that silly? It's silly. Go to the dentist. One of my least favorite places on the face of the earth to go to is the dentist. Unashamed, no offense if you're a dentist, I hate you. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right? Right? So, I mean, I, I will take the most heavy narcotic they'll give me to go to the dentist's office. So, go, go to the dentist's office. And you've got this, man, that, that one tooth that's like, it just... It's like, oh, remember when they actually wrapped gum in foil back in the day? And you got a little piece of foil on top of one of your silver fillings, and it felt like someone put a cattle prod on your molar? Anybody old enough to remember what that felt like? Hello. Hello. So that's going on with you. You go to the dentist. Hey, Eric, what's going on? What, can I help you? Oh, no, I'm fine. We all experience slow computers. Take your computer to the, to, the, to the computer shop. Why? Because it's got a virus. It's running slow. You got spam coming out your ears. You don't know what's going on. You can't hardly get online. It takes three, three hours to boot up and all these problems. So you take it into, what's the, what's the computer place, computer doctor place or whatever, what, geek squad or whatever. You take it in there. What can we do for you? Oh, nothing. I just thought I'd bring my computer here. <laughs> what's wrong with it? Absolutely nothing. It's okay. It's all right. Okay, are you on the train with me? Yeah. Have we stopped at all those places? Yeah. Have, we sat, have we heard how foolish that sounds? Yeah. Okay, let's try this. Today you showed up at church and God says, how are you doing? Thank you. Thank you very much. Don't forget to tip your waiters and waitresses on the way out. No, no, you can't do that. You are silly looking as someone go to the dentist with a toothache. You're as silly as someone going to the accountant that's bankrupt and saying, it's okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. You're not okay. I'm not okay. That's why we're here. Well, church is just full of a bunch of hypocrites. Yeah, yeah, we just realized we are. That's why we're here. We realize that we are, and this would be a good place for us to get better, right? Here's how it works. <laughs> it's so simple, but we miss it. Uh, Devin goes to the gym. He always wants us to do this, this Murph thing, right? Where we're going to cough, cough up our lungs when we're done. So we're going we're gonna to go do this. We're going to work out. And we're, so, all right, so let's say you go to wherever. You go to Planet Fitness, LA Fitness, the Orange Place, the Purple Place, the, the whatever. You go to that place. You go to the CrossFit. You go to that place, right? You go there. And let's say, you, let's say you're in decent shape. Let's say you're in decent shape. So you show up to the, you show up to the uh, workout place. Chris, is that your phone? Yeah. Hey, listen, it's Chris's birthday today. Everybody say happy birthday, Chris. Yeah. Hey, hey. 31, 31 today, 31. All right, praise the Lord. So you go, you go to the workout place 
and you're, you, let's say you're buff, let's say you're looking all right, you're feeling good, feeling strong. You walk in and there is a person over in the corner that's, mm, shall we say, large and sweaty. <laughs> let's just say it would be me over there and I'm doing the ropes or whatever, you know. <laughs> right? And I'm, 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 I'm struggling to squeeze out a third pull up or whatever. So anyway, watch, stay with me. This has a point. Get the mental imagery of me sweating in the corner out of your eye. But you walk, you're the buff, you're the buff person, right? You've been coming to the gym a while. You walk in and you see this person and what do you say? You say, good for them, don't you? You say, good for them. They're not home eating Fritos and Cheetos on their, on their, you look at somebody that's out of shape in the gym and you go, yeah, awesome. They, way to go. And you, you go over, you pat them on that. Way to go, man. Well, that's what you should do. I don't know if you're so self-righteous that you'd look down on them because in the church, this is us. This is the gymnasium of the spirit. And we come in here and some of you are a little more buff than others in the spirit realm. Don't you ever look down on somebody that comes in that's all busted and disgusted and realizes they're broken, but they come here. This is where hypocrites belong. This is where prostitutes belong. This is where homosexuals and trannies belong. They're broken like you were. So stop it with your self-righteousness. Hello? I feel so good about myself today. No, 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 no. We come to church and God says, as we rode that train, God now says to you as you set the computer of your life up on the table at the Geek Squad, and he says, how's your life? I'm all good. Got to get home. Got to watch the game. Got to roast in the oven. I'm all good. Quick, do the thing. Do your religious duty and go home. Do you know how sickening that is? No, you come and you say, you know, I really, when you get, it, get in front of the lawyer, get in front of the accountant, they say, well, here's what you need to know. Put all your stuff out there so the professional can fix it. And then you'll be okay if you present your brokenness. You'll be okay if you present your brokenness. But if you come in and you say, that's all good, they'll say, take your computer and go home. Pick up all your receipts and go home. You have no need of me. God says, well, I don't know if God can fix it. God can speak to nothing and nothing will hear him. He can certainly take care of you and your circumstance. He can. He really, really can. You'll be okay, but only as you confess your brokenness. Your okay is found inside your broken. But if you tell God it's okay, it's all good, don't worry. Mm. No, it's time to be honest. It's time to be honest. You want to go to the next level? You want revival? You want to be, you want to have, you want to have that healing manifest in your life? It starts with a confession. I know, it's crazy. Lord, I am undone. I'm a wicked person without you. I really need you to intervene. The computer of my life is screwed up. The finances of my life are horrible. My marriage is a mess. I have PTSD. I'm crazy. I'm crazy. I need you. That's how we all began. How did we get so mature that we didn't think we needed him? For he who began a good work will be faithful to complete it as long as you remain humble, right? All right, so stand up with me. We're gonna pray. We'll put some music on. I'd like you to close your eyes. And I want you to do an inventory of your life and see where you're broken got a habit you got an addiction you got something that you're embarrassed about because it's just not righteous here's the deal if you bring it to Jesus and you confess that then he can fix it but he can't fix it until you confess it You got pride. Man, you just lost. You don't even know Jesus. You're in bondage to drugs or sexual sin or shopping. Who knows? There's some greed in you. You just got to be at the front of the line every time. Some pride, self-sufficiency. What I'm saying is you're spiritually deaf 
you're spiritually blind, maybe even dead. But God can heal you. Confess your brokenness. With your head bowed, your eyes closed. At the end of the book, Jesus was the one sitting on the throne, and he says this, Behold, I'm making all things new. He's speaking to you, and he, want to, he wants to make you new. He can take your heart of stone and give you a brand new heart. In fact, in Psalm 147.3, it says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. I'm going to invite you to come down to this altar this morning, not to confess your sin to me or anybody else, but just to find a place to say, God, here I am. I need you. If that's you, just step out to the front. Come on down. Kneel if you can. The person next to you will move. Say, excuse me, I, just, I need to go down there. And there's no condemnation. These are people who just realize their computer's not working right. It needs to be sped up. People that go into the lawyer, the doctor, and are willing to tell the truth. You know, I just, I really could use some help in this area of my life. There's no judgment. Talk about a judgment-free zone. And those of you that perhaps are a little buff in the gymnasium of the church, don't you dare look down on somebody that's doing their best. Maybe you should come down here with them. Just step on out. See, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. And he'll help you. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll always be with you. I love the fact that he says, you'll never be alone. You'll never be alone. I will always be with you. I'll always be with you. Right now, the surgeon of heaven is cutting out those parts. So you got a brand new start, brand new heart. Letting you start again, start over. False start after false start, he doesn't keep track. He just knows now you're with him. Now you're here. And so he's giving you the power. He's giving you a fresh start. Giving you a fresh start. Like a brand new bottle of peanut butter. That's what the picture, that's what I see in the spirit right now. You know, that, that brand new jar of peanut butter. That's what our lives look like when he comes in and he heals us up. It gives us a new start. And then people hurt our feelings and they, they mar us. They hurt us. But you just come back. God says, I'll make you new. I'll fix it up. We'll start all over. It's okay. He heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for the gymnasium of the church where we come together to confess our weakness so that we can be strong. Not in ourselves, certainly. Not in our own strength. The strength that you give us, that's the strength we have to have. Another crack at it, another opportunity. You're so faithful, Lord, you're so good to us. broken Lord I got a weak will I just can't I just can't seem to control and then you fill in the blank my attitude my addiction my greed my pride you tell him you confess it then he goes oh I can heal blind people but people if they think they can see they have no need of me it is the sick who need a doctor not the well healed so we thank you, Lord. 
I just sense the peace of God here in this place this morning. And he's restoring you. He's restoring you. In fact, he's doing more than restoring you. He says, I'll actually take out the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So it's not a, it's not a leftover. <laughs> he didn't go to the refrigerator of heaven and you know, microwave something for you. He says, no, I'm going to do something new. It's not going to be your old gift, rewarmed. It's going to be something new and fresh. I mean, that's the word I want, isn't it, for you? So, Father, we come today full of hope, full of gratitude, full of joy, knowing that you're here with us and you're here to meet with us and to help us. And so we lay down all of our junk and then not to pick it up. So Lord, here we are. We're setting down all those suitcases, all that, the hurt from before, all the guilt, all the self-hate for doing that over and over again. And we just leave it lay there. And when we get up and leave this place today, Father, we're new, walking in your righteousness, not ours. Every mind that needs healing today, heal it. Every body that needs healing, heal it, Lord, because of your grace. And so may the peace of God, the blessing of heaven, the smile of the Holy Spirit be upon you today to go and serve him, serve him in righteousness, his righteousness. And may his peace be upon you and your home today and forever. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we conclude this podcast, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.